Do you have big goals that you're working towards? But as you're trying to achieve these goals, you start getting negative emotions, maybe some negative self-talk, and it ends up making the journey harder. And you know, if you could just manage these negative thoughts and emotions, that the path to achieving your goals would be a lot smoother, would happen a lot faster. In fact, you've probably even been thrown off your goals completely by negative emotions. For example, with weight loss, with fat loss, one of the most common things that my clients experience is that as they start to get results, they're happy. But as soon as the weight loss plateaus for a couple days, they start getting nuts. Why is it not working? I'm doing everything right. This isn't working for me. I should just give up. Does that sound familiar? Well, that's what we're going to be diving into today. How to stay focused, how to manage these emotions so that you can achieve what's important to you. What is up, my friend? My name is Ted Rice, coach to entrepreneurs, CEOs, and other high-performing professionals. And welcome back to the Legendary Life Podcast. What we do on the Legendary Life Podcast is we break down science-based information on how to lose fat, prevent disease, and live a longer, healthier, legendary life. But on Fridays, we take a different approach. We talk about the deeper struggles that we all face when trying to achieve a goal like getting into great shape. Because what I found in my experience is that people don't need the meal plan, they don't need the workout. Those things are important, but even if you give someone all the right tools, they end up being sabotaged by their negative thoughts and emotions. So today we're gonna to talk about how to manage them. So if that's what you're interested in, you are in the right place. So I've kind of gone over it already, why this is important, but just to dive a little bit deeper, if you don't learn how to manage your negative emotions, they get in the way of everything that you want to do. And it doesn't matter if you're trying to get into great shape, trying to progress in your career, trying to grow your business, trying to create the healthiest family possible. Negative emotions will sabotage all that. Also, to achieve great things in our life. Again, however you define greatness, however you define success, whatever that is to you, doesn't matter because every human being needs the energy and focus to accomplish those things. But what happens is if we're struggling with chronic negativity, negative feelings, we end up not being able to achieve those things. We end up getting stuck. We end up spending too much time on activities, maybe arguing on social media, maybe watching the 24-hour news cycle that's not telling anything that you didn't already know, but you keep watching it and it keeps bringing up negative emotions for you. It ends up sabotaging you. So I have a personal story with negative emotions as well. And that's how I came to learn all these things. So as I go through these strategies that I'm going to share with you, these five powerful strategies that I'm going to share with you, I want you to keep in mind, this is not something that came easy to me. It's not something that I haven't struggled with and I'm talking down to you because I got my stuff together and you don't. No, 
I've struggled a lot with this. I still struggle with negative emotions at times. And I want to tell you this, negative emotions, where do they come from? Well, we know from research on twins, on personality research on monozygotic twins, in other words, identical twins, that there's a certain percentage of our personality that seems to be innate, seems to be genetic. Even these twins that were separated at birth and grew up in very different environments still have some of the same personality traits. So there's certain part of it that we come with already. And in psychological research on personality, we know there's five different areas of personality. One of them is neuroticism. And some of us are going to have higher levels of neuroticism. That's just how we're wired. And I feel like, uh, although I've taken this test, I feel like I have that. Now, some of us also may have had some trauma in our past, maybe in our childhood, maybe later on. That can kind of put a spin or shift the perspective that you have, make you a little more sensitive. And we're going to talk about this too. And for me to get to where I am now, where I'm living really the life of my dreams in, in many respects, of course, I don't have my family here. I would like to have them here to share the successes that I've had, not just financially, but the successes. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy with what I'm doing in my life. I'm grateful for where I am. I've traveled so much. I've created great relationships with so many people, seen so many things that have changed me for the better. But to get to this point, I've had to learn how to manage these negative emotions. And it was a struggle. And for most of my adult life, I was thrown off by my negative emotions. And I, part of me wants to say, well, I'd be a lot further along had I known the things that I know now. But the truth is, part of it is, getting, is, is going through this journey of working on the obstacles that come up for us. Another thing I want to share is that I've worked with a lot of clients throughout my 22 years in health and fitness. I spent over 20 years as a personal trainer. And in spite of showing up and training clients two, three, four, five times a week sometimes, I would see these very successful people, these very high net worth people, guys with Ferrari collections or their attorneys who only take $20 million cases and up and get paid a percentage of that, or guys who are running the family business and they have generational wealth. I see them struggle with negative emotions. And I eventually left personal training and got into what I do now, which is more coaching. So I don't count your reps anymore. Uh, I'll still teach people how to do exercises, but I expect people to be more empowered, more independent. But I'm here always to support. And one of the reasons I made that shift is because I didn't want to just help people with their workouts. I saw people struggling psychologically, and I knew that was the gold, not just for my business, but for the person. And so now what I do is this in my coaching. People come, with, come to me because they're struggling to get in shape. They're struggling to lose fat, usually. And it's usually because they don't, have, they don't understand what they need to be doing. So I give people the perfect program. And when I say the perfect program, I don't mean the perfect cookie cutter program that I've written that I apply to everybody. No, I listen to what their struggles are. 
I listen to what they like to do, what they don't like to do. And I create the perfect nutrition and fitness program for that person, not for anyone else, but for that person. Imagine with all the workouts and nutrition plans that you've done, imagine someone coming in, sitting there, taking notes, listening to you attentively, and then coming up in collaboration with you, the perfect program for you. And people get so excited about it. They're like, I can do this. It's easy to do this until they're about a month into it, six weeks into it. What happens? Well, life happens. The the program's perfect, but the person is not. None of us are, right? We end up having these negative emotions that come up for us, some people more than others, but for every single person I've ever worked with in this new coaching format that I, I do now, this virtual coaching format. People always struggle. And I, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that I love that they struggle, but I love being able to help them through these struggles because this is where the gold is. And I want to suggest this is where the gold is for you as well. So let's get into it. What are the tools to overcome these negative emotions? Well, the first thing I want to talk about is self-awareness. Now, if you immediately hear that and roll your eyes, then this is for you. Then you need to pay extra attention. We need self-awareness if we want to change a behavior, if we want to get leverage on ourselves. So most people's experience of life goes like this. There's a triggering event, and then there's a consequence. There's an emotion. Maybe you see someone post something about politics or social justice, or if you're like me, something that you know isn't true about nutrition, like carbs make you fat, carbs are the cause of obesity, and you get triggered by it. There is the activating event, and then we experience an emotion. In this case, we're talking about the negative emotions. But what a lot of us don't realize is that in between that activating event and that emotion, there are thoughts slash beliefs that come up. And you may say, well, no, it's not a, it doesn't feel like a thought at all. It, it's a feeling. But if we stop and think about it, if we stop and analyze it, it is a thought. It's just an automatic thought. If you see something about politics that irritates you, you have to ask yourself, well, what is this actually triggering in me? What is the thought here? What is the belief here? I'll give you an example from my life. When I see um, someone posting something that is untrue. Like, so I read something recently on social media, carbs cause obesity, end of story. And I'm thinking to myself, I I get a little triggered and I'm thinking to myself, this is wrong. This person shouldn't be saying this. There is too much information out there already, too much misinformation already. Too many people think that cutting out carbs is the key to weight loss when it's not. Otherwise, keto people and carnivore people wouldn't struggle with losing fat so much, which if you pay attention to some of the groups that I've paid attention to, people will say, oh, I I switched from keto to carnivore and actually gained some of the weight back. They don't understand. They're not eating any carbs, right? They're eating less carbs on carnivore, but still they gain fat. And for me, it's like, it's, it's these thoughts, beliefs. The belief is this person shouldn't be talking because they don't know what they're talking about. This person is creating more confusion and people don't deserve to be more confused. This person is either ignorant or doing this on purpose for marketing 
And that is wrong. So those are the thoughts, beliefs that come up for me when I see some of that. And then I started to switch. Then I started to say, you know what? This person sharing this information is actually good for my business. Although it's not good for people, it's good for my business because I can get out there and show how that person is absolutely wrong and I can prove it. See how my belief started to switch. And when I started to shift over to things like that, when I started to see the opportunity, I was able to not get so triggered anymore. In fact, when I see people say something like that, I'll use it as inspiration to say something to the people who follow me online to help them get clear on what they need to be doing, on what the truth is, what the reality is, what the best scientific evidence says. But I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not been able to have self-awareness about where this is coming from. And one thing that I want to tell you that's really powerful is uh, we can do what's called a seven-day thought record exercise. This is something I just learned about recently. It comes from cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's called the seven-day thought record exercise. It's something that you can go and Google. Uh, It's something that uh, I'm going to start giving to my clients who suffer with negative emotions. And here you are listening to the podcast before I'm even, you know, where where I'm still in the experimental phase with it. Seven-day thought record exercise. So what I want you to do, if you're struggling with negative emotions, go Google seven-day thought record exercise and download it and do it. It will help you understand yourself better. And when you understand yourself better, you have leverage to change your behavior. So the second thing that can help you with these negative emotions is calming skills and practices. Now, in America, what do we do? We do drugs. By the way, alcohol is a drug. We eat when we're feeling bad. We go shopping. We binge watch shows. We watch porn. At least the guys do. And what does this do? Now, there may be, now it's arguable, right? There, you, you may feel differently here, but I'm, what I'm going to say is this, to kind of put it generally here, there's nothing wrong with any of those things necessarily. You know, is it so terrible if you uh, smoke a little bit of weed or have a glass of wine or, you know, eat something that's delicious and it's not because you're hungry? Is it bad if you go shopping and buy a, a, one more shirt than you really need? I'm not saying that or watch a bit more or maybe one or two more episodes and you should have watched. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm I'm talking about when you're using this to medicate yourself. That's when it becomes an issue. When it's something that you return to over and over again, it almost becomes addictive. Now, I spent a lot of time in Asia. As you may know, if you've been listening to the show, I lived in Thailand, I lived in Bali, I lived in Vietnam, although for a shorter amount of time, only a couple months there. I've been to Malaysia, I've been to Hong Kong, I've been to Cambodia, probably uh, one or two more places that I'm forgetting. One thing that struck me about there, and and, and before I say this, I I don't want to say that Eastern culture or Southeastern culture is better than ours. Uh, There's a ton of social issues out there, but I I don't want to get into that. That's for another conversation. But one of the positive things that I took away from my time in Asia is how, especially in Thailand, where I spent the most amount of time, you don't see as much drinking. You see 
a lot less road rage. Now, people have a ton of problems. There is a, a lot of social issues. And again, I don't want to get into it, but you see that they meditate. They have practices that we don't in the West. You know, again, there's caveats here and provisos and those types of things. But again, it's something that meditation is something that is more widespread, as is yoga, as is Tai Chi. And I would even argue, because, uh, and I say this because so many people have this, so many people in the West are like, oh, everybody's so Zen out in Asia. Not really. <laughs> it's, it's really tough there socially. Okay, there are a ton of social problems. It's the kingdom of Thailand. It's the kingdom of Cambodia. It's the, uh, you know, Hong Kong and China, the relationship there you probably read about in the news or heard about. It's a tense situation. But what I am saying is probably because it is tougher, they've had to come up with more effective strategies than just drinking it away. You got to keep your mind when, when, when the stakes are higher, when there are more problems, you got to keep your mind as sharp as possible and meditation, Tai Chi, yoga, that helps a lot. Whereas drinking, shopping, eating doesn't. Eat too much, you get fat and unhealthy. You shop too much, you spend money on clothes that you don't even buy and you just, you're basically just hoarding. If you binge watch shows, you're neglecting other areas in your life. You do too many drugs, destroys your health and can destroy a lot more than that too. And another thing that I miss about Asia, now I'm living in Brazil for the past couple months, is that there is a massage culture there. You'll see a lot of massage places. And I don't care if you're in Malaysia and Hong Kong and Thailand and Bali, it's all over Asia. You, get, you can get massages and it's super skilled and it's, of course, only affordable to the, say, wealthier people in Asia. but you know, for us, or because of the currency exchange, it's much more affordable. The point is this, even in Miami Beach, where I live for over 20 years, there's only one or two massage places. But you go to Thailand, it's everywhere. You go to Bali, it's everywhere. It's easy to find places to get a massage. And the massages are great. It's just a different vibe. And it's something that we can learn from the East, for sure. And what I'm telling you is this, we need calming skills and practices. When negative emotions are high, anxiety is high, when we're feeling very depressed, what I want you to understand is that we may have names like anxiety, depression, stress, but they all fall under really heightened nervous system activity. We have higher levels of stress hormones coursing throughout our body. That's the commonality because depression, anxiety may feel different, but what's going on inside is, is more similar than you might think. And we need calming skills and practices. Even if you're depressed and you say, well, I don't feel agitated, partly because you've been so beat down. Actually, when you do meditation and you're so fatigued, you actually get energy. When you are feeling so fatigued and tired and you get a massage, you actually feel energy. And what I want to ask you is this, what do you do when you're feeling those negative emotions, what are your practices? What skills do you have? And the great thing about this is not only do you have skills that you can learn, but you can also have practices. For example, I had COVID on Christmas Day. I spent Christmas Day by myself feeling terrible. And ever since then, I've been having some sleep issues. 
And I feel it's because my body is still stressed. So what, do, what have I been doing? I've been drinking chamomile tea. I've been taking valerian root. I've been getting acupuncture. I've been getting massage. I've been doing breath work. And of course, I do meditation almost daily. In fact, I did a 45-minute meditation in bed this morning when I woke up at 6.30 and I felt like I still needed to sleep a little bit. I did a 45-minute meditation. Not to come on here and tell you, oh, I did meditation because it's cool. I do it because it helps calm my nervous system down. And if you're having sleep issues, if you're having anxiety, if you're having these things, your stress hormones are going to be higher. One of the top three causes of poor sleep is what is called physiological hyperarousal. In other words, stress hormones are too high. We need calming skills and practices. Now, the next one to help with your negative emotions is to face your fears. And at first, it sounds kind of ironic, doesn't it? Face your fears. Wait a minute. I'm already feeling anxious and you want me to go do something that's going to make me feel even more afraid? That doesn't make sense, Ted. Ah, but it does. Because ironically, one of the best ways to lower negative emotions and build up our resilience is to seek out and experience the things that we're afraid of. And we'll get into how this works, but this isn't just, this isn't just uh, some self-help nonsense. Now, the first thing I want to say before we talk about facing our fears is this. There's irrational fears and rational fears. Afraid of starting a business because it might fail is an irrational fear. Afraid to start a business because you, you have an idea and it's not tested in the market, that's a rational fear. Having a fear about public speaking, getting up in front of uh, you know, your employees or standing up in front of your uh, in, in, in the boardroom and speaking because you might say something wrong, you might look foolish, that's an irrational fear. Being in a dictatorship and speaking up against, say, gay rights in, in a place where you get hung for something like that, that's a rational fear. And my point is this, we're not really, we're, most of us, we're not really in danger of losing our lives or having a big issue, big backlash from doing something like public speaking or some of the other things that we're afraid of. It's irrational, right? Of course, if you post something highly political on, on, on social media, yeah, you can, you can lose your job, but people aren't even afraid of doing that. Or I mean, you know what I mean? People do it because they feel compelled and then they have to deal with the consequences after and end up apologizing. But the fear wasn't there. Usually they couldn't even control themselves, right? But we're afraid to get up and we're, we're afraid to have the, converse, the tough conversation with our spouse that needs to be had. Oh, no, I don't want to do it. Let me put it off. And a lot of those fears, they're irrational. And even more importantly, not only are they, they irrational, but they're, they're holding us back. Joseph Campbell said, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. And if you're more into pop psychology, all great things happen outside your comfort zone, right? We love quotes like that, but what do most of us do when we're faced with an opportunity to conquer our fears? Well, most of us, we back down. Instead, we'll scroll, scroll social media, we'll read books, we'll listen to podcasts like this one. But let me ask you a question. If you're looking for the big leap, the big level up, if you're looking for that growth, 
how challenging, how emotionally challenging was it to scroll social media, read a book, or listen to a podcast? Nothing, right? And that's exactly why so many people are stuck. Instead of having the tough conversation with their spouse, they'll read a book about having conversations. Not bad, but eventually you got to act on it. And then we say, well, I'll keep waiting. I just need to know a little bit more. I just need to know a little bit more. Listen, I'm not that great at podcasting. I feel at least. I hope you don't think that because you won't come back, but I don't feel like I'm that great. But I'm in the process of learning. And learning is worthless without putting things into action. One of the best things that you can ever do is when you learn something, you go try it, go fail with it. Because failure isn't failure, failure is learning. Not having something work is learning. But again, you need to come back and then learn, okay, well, why did it fail? What is the solution here? Instead of internalizing it and realizing that it's just a, you know, just a learning experience, we internalize these things and say, no, well, I'll never be good at podcasting. I try, I did a podcast episode. It sucked. People said they didn't like it. And so I quit. No, I sucked when I started. And some of you who have been listening for a very long time probably remember that. But for some reason, you stuck with me and you've seen the growth. And it's always fun to talk to those people a little bit. It's always fun when you reach out and share with me on social media. Oh, I've been listening for a long time. I've seen you grow. Really appreciate it. I've grown with you. It's been awesome. Really appreciate that. So let's talk about why this is important. Because again, this isn't self-help nonsense. In psychological therapy, it's called exposure therapy and has scientific research to back it up. So let's talk a little bit. How are fears learned in the first place? Well, think about this. This is one that I can personally relate to. My first experience with dogs was when I was living in Coconut Grove, which was the hot area in Miami at the time before Miami Beach was a thing. It was all old people and drug dealers. Coconut Grove was the hot area. My French next door neighbors had a German shepherd named Bahut. And this dog was aggressive. It would bark at me, which would make me afraid. And then when I would go to visit my friend Fred, Freddie, their son, I ended up getting bit by Bahut, the angry German shepherd, more than once. And so for me, Dogs equal threat because of that experience. To break that belief, that automatic thought, because for a while it's like, oh, oh, stay away from dogs. They'll, if they're barking, they'll bite you. <laughs> dogs are th- threats. Okay. To get past that, I had to start to expose myself to other people's dogs. Now I love dogs. And I understand if a dog is angry like that and aggressive like that, they're just not trained properly. They've got you know some emotional issues, kind of like people. They're not trained properly. <laughs> and so, but I used to watch my friend's dogs, these two little Dachshund puppies, and they were just, oh gosh, I love them so much. They've since passed now because they don't live that long, these small little dogs, but I love them so much and they brought me so much joy. And uh, during a time in my life, which was really tough, I used to watch their dogs when they went away on vacation and I would sleep over at their place and the dogs would sleep with me. I loved it. Uh, I just love those little dogs. And 
that helped me to realize and to add nuance around that earlier experience I had with the angry German shepherd. And so now, uh, more recently, when I was in Thailand and Bangkok in, at the end of 2019, I was staying in one place where there were these street dogs, which are dangerous, by the way. And these dogs came up right in almost, you know, not in my face, but really close to me and started barking. And I was like, no. And they backed down because they didn't pick up on my fear. I was now comfortable with dogs. I, I didn't feel, I felt a little bit threatened, but I was like, hey, listen, I like dogs, but I will kick you. All right, chill out. And they backed off when I looked them in the eye and when I spoke to them sternly. And so now I have this different experience. Same thing with public speaking. I used to be deathly afraid of public speaking. A lot of people hear that and they're like, no way, because they hear me on podcasts. And even if you don't think I'm a great podcaster, you certainly don't feel like I'm nervous doing this. And, and I'm not, actually. I don't have anxiety about doing this. Oh, well, a little bit, because I always want to do a good job, but I don't have enough and we can talk about, you actually need a little bit of anxiety to perform well. You need a little bit of challenge to perform well, because if you don't care, there isn't, a good, there isn't enough energy there, right? We know you need a little bit of anxiety to perform well, but if you have too much, it's the, over, the, the bodily sensations are overwhelming. You need just the right amount. And so what I did was I started with uh, interviewing people and I wasn't very good at it. And I was always nervous before the interviews. But as I started to interview more people and interview more people and interview more people, I started getting more comfortable. And then my business partner, Giselle, said, hey, listen, we want to test solo episodes. We want you to do solo episodes. I was super nervous doing solo episodes. But now I actually like them sometimes better than interviewing people. Some of the people that I've, the, the personalities that I've talked to over the years have been hard to talk to. But again, it was training. It was facing the fears in an incremental way, systematically desensitizing myself that allowed me to get to the point where I ended up doing a keynote speech and got paid $3,000 for it. And now I'm going to charge more than that when speaking resumes. And what happens to us is this. When we first get exposed to something, let's say public speaking, because it is such an anxiety-inducing experience for so many people. Anxiety skyrockets. And a common mistake that people make is they think, ah, every time I do this, I'm going to get more anxious and more anxious and more anxious. But in reality, exposing yourself to the feared situation or object, right, or dog can result in a lessening. You get habituated to the experience and a reduction in fear. I remember when I was scuba diving for the first time in Mexico, I, I was a little freaked out, but I started to get habituated to it. Now I really enjoy diving a lot and ended up getting my advanced certification. I even did cavern diving, which again, freaks you out when you first start doing it. But again, you get habituated to it and you experience a reduction in fear. So let's talk about the next thing here, which is that we want to also focus on our physical health. Why is this important for negative emotions? Well, you probably already know, but allow me to add some context. The German philosopher Friedrich 
Nietzsche said, when we are tired, we are attacked by ideas we conquered long ago. And in biological terms, poor physical health can make us more vulnerable to stress and negative emotions. And if you're not focused on building your physical health, negative emotions can lead to more, even more poor physical health, then in turn leads to more negative emotions, which leads to even worse physical health in a downward spiral that gets extremely hard to break. For example, you start feeling, you start to have feelings of sadness and hopelessness. Maybe you were watching the news too much. Then you started thinking, my life is horrible. I can't stand feeling like this. And then that affects your behavior. You start to lie around in bed more. You start to avoid other people. You start to spend too much time on social media or watching the news, which in turn creates more thoughts. I'm such a loser. I can't even get out of bed. I have no friends. You're not a loser and you can get out of bed, but you've been laying in bed and you've been avoiding people. And if you spend too long in bed, you start getting more feelings. And now you feel fatigue, lack of energy, which leads to a change in behavior. You're not motivated to do anything, which leads to feelings of despair and so on and so on and so on. Can you relate to that? I know I can. And this has to do with how our physical health affects our brains. More specifically, how it affects our fight and flight response. In fact, did you know that antidepressants like Prozac and Celexa, I don't even know the names of them anymore. They don't actually work by increasing neurotransmitters like we thought about in the past because that happens right away. The way scientists think that these things work is they increase something called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And this leads to an improvement in mood to the point where it's these drugs are actually named, labeled antidepressants. And again, that fits so well into our Western culture where, oh, well, instead of drinking, snorting Coke and smoking meth and uh, having a little bit of weed, I'll, I'll do the responsible adult thing and take an antidepressant, right? And eat. But you know what else increases BDNF? Exercise. In fact, exercise outperforms all current antidepressant medication. Another thing that affects your mood is sleep. If you're sleeping well, you feel a lot better. But if you're not sleeping well, poor sleep causes something called central sensitization. Have you ever had a bad night of sleep and you woke up and you were a little bit more irritable, you had a little bit more trouble with concentration, and it was a bit hard to remember things, and you were had this sense of anxiety that was a bit more than usual. Of course you have. We all have. Because emotions and behavior are, are a two-way street, right? So two-way street. So if we have poor sleep because we stayed up watching our favorite show, we end up feeling bad emotionally the next day. If you have bad emotions, it can affect your sleep. So we've talked about this. It's a two-way street here. Now, how do we take back control here if you are struggling? Well, I want you to try this experiment. I want you to rate your mood right now on a scale of one to 10. Then, and I actually want you to do this, okay? So pause this if you can, if you're not already exercising. I know many of you already are like, I'm, I'm running right now, Ted. I'm in the gym right now listening to you. Try this, rate your mood on a scale of one to 10. Then I want you to do some exercise. You can go for a walk. You can go for a run. 
You can do a plank and hold it for as long as you can. You can do bodyweight squats as many as you get, as many as you need to do until you get fatigued. You can do push-ups as many as you need to do until you get fatigued. Then catch your breath afterward. Now rate your mood again on a scale of one to 10. And I don't want you just to pass this up if you're a person who's struggling with this. Now, if you're already an avid exerciser, you don't need to do this because you already know this. But if you're a person who's struggling with motivation to exercise, I want you to try this. Try this experiment. Rate your mood on a scale of 1 to 10. Do some exercise, then rate your mood after on a scale of 1 to 10. And note that you're probably feeling better. If you did it right, you're definitely feeling better. And note that you're feeling better, but what changed in your life? Because you may have said, why are you, I may have asked you, well, why are you feeling bad? Well, I'm feeling bad because the coronavirus, because of quarantine, I'm uncertain about the future. Actually, I've talked to a lot of people who are actually doing okay financially, but they're worried about the future of their friends, the future of their family. They're worried about their safety with the virus, which actually worry doesn't help with your immune system, but exercise does. But notice that your situation, your circumstances, doing a set of squats didn't make the the coronavirus go away, but it made you feel better. And this is the thing that so many of us are missing. The goal, the game we're being, the game is to feel good now. If you feel good now, it leads to a lot of success in your life because you have the energy, the focus to do what you need to do if you're if your goals involve other people, maybe getting more clients or hiring the right people or whatever it is, people are going to respond better to your negative, uh, to your positive, sorry, positive emotions and will respond negatively to negative emotions. Think about it. Have you ever wanted to, have you ever met someone who just had, you had a weird vibe from and you wanted to hang out with them more? No. Have you ever been around someone that had a great vibe and you're like, man, I really like being around that guy. I'm always laughing and thinking about things. You know, we're not talking about all the heavy stuff. We're having a good time. Think about this podcast. Sometimes I got to do podcasts and I'm not in the right mood. And you've probably heard that before. If you've been listening to a while, you've probably heard, whoa, Ted's not on his game today. I wonder what's going on in his life. An argument with my business partner is probably the answer. Half kidding there. So focus on your physical health to manage your negative emotions. And number five is brainwash yourself for success. It's something that uh, I have came up with on my own because I had to do it to myself. After all the things that I went through in my life, the abuse, the tragedies, the, all the craziness, the failures, I was full of negative thoughts and emotions, even though I had a lot of good things going for me. And I remember being in Miami Beach going from multi-million dollar apartment complex on the ocean to multi-million dollar complex, training my clients. And I was like, man, I hate doing this. I want to do more. I want to help more people. I want to help. And I'm tired of babysitting wealthy people and counting their reps, right? And of course, uh, (laughs) that was what I needed to do to get to uh, where I am now. But I got in that part where I was really struggling with the negative emotions and it was stopping me because I was so focused on, oh, I don't like doing this. I don't like training people anymore. Because I was so focused on that, it was taking away from me to do the work that I needed to do so I could get away from it. And so I was stuck in this cycle and I was like, oh man, I got to get out of this. So I came up with this idea. Actually, I didn't come up with it. I just started doing it intuitively. 
And I remember I was listening to Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, which if you've ever heard it, so many people say it's one of the most powerful self-help books they've ever read because it's Stephen basically saying, sit down and do the work. Stop ignoring the work. Stop. Forget about your resistance to doing the work. There's always going to be resistance if you want to go up to a higher level. There's never going to be a resist. There's never resistance to sitting on your butt, eating ice cream and watching Netflix. But there's a lot of resistance to eating healthy on a regular basis and getting up to exercise. Understand the resistance is always going to be there. Understand that you're never going to achieve it unless you do the work. Those are the lessons that I got from it. And I listened to his uh, now I listened to the CD. I didn't read the actual book. I listened to the CD. I listened to it over and over and over again, driving from client to client, just listening to it, beating it into my head. And at the same time, the other thing that I did was I stayed away from things that weren't helping me, that were either neutral or negative. Because for a long time, and what most people do, I think, is they listen to music. And there's nothing wrong with that. But music puts you in a good mood while you listen to it. And then it goes away. Music doesn't usually lead to growth, but it makes you feel good. So it's more of a neutral slash slightly good, but, it, but in terms of leading to growth, it's neutral. It doesn't, it doesn't take away from growth, although you make, could make an argument for you know if you spend a lot of time listening to music rather than learning the things that you need to learn or training yourself can take away from growth. But let's just say it's more neutral. Well, what do a lot of people do? Argue about politics. See that a lot. Argue about social justice situations. And it's like, okay, you guys are all spending time arguing about this stuff, but what are the real world results? What's the ROI on doing those things? And for most of us, it's, not, it's nothing or it's negative. We just feel angered because we got into a conversation with someone so stupid. And then that other person is thinking the same thing about you, right? So I'm lucky I kind of got this handled before the social media thing went crazy, but I was struggling with a lot of negative emotions. And I came up with this idea, you got to brainwash yourself for success. You got to seek and consume information that inspires and motivates you. And you got to reduce the info that wastes your time or triggers negative emotions. And I'm not saying never to engage in a little uh, political banter if that is, or to political debate if that is your thing. But if you spend so much time on it, it's taking away from other things. And if you walk away feeling very negative about it, it's not helping you. It's draining your energy. So I'll share some of my favorite books, by the way. So I've mentioned War of Art, Stephen Pressfield. If you're struggling to get into motion, it's a great one. Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, another favorite of mine. Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Oh, what a great one. Just a great book. Uh, of course, uh, some people who I've recommended that to disagree with me, but what I love about the book is he talks about how human beings are wired. And if you're a leader, you need to inspire comfort. You, you need to inspire safety. It's a safe place. And if you inspire fear in them, then they don't do very well. Okay. Uh, the Wedge by Scott Carney. Scott wrote an amazing book called What Doesn't Kill Us. He wrote a follow-up to that called The Wedge. Excellent book. Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler, another fantastic book. And Getting Unstuck by Tibetan Buddhist 
Monk Pema Chodron. She is amazing. One of my favorite people to listen to when I need something a bit deeper than just you know the tactics and the tricks. Pema gets down to the root. Of course, it's a Buddhist, Tibetan Buddhist perspective, which not everybody may uh, resonate with at first. But even if you're not into Buddhism, which I'm not a Buddhist, by the way, but I really appreciate the teachings from it. He's just a Buddha is like the original Tony Robbins, right? So again, those are some of my favorites in case you need recommendations, but find your own, find your own inspirations. But the point is this, spend more of your time focused on the things that inspire you and less your time on the things that waste your time or trigger negative emotions. And my bonus tip for you today is don't just listen to this and move on to the next podcast. So many of us, we consume so much, we know so much, but we do so little. So what's something right now that you can do? What is something that you can take action on? Did you try to rate your mood before and after exercise? If not, go do that. And the thing that I'll leave you with is negative emotions hate a moving target. If you're staying in motion, if you're staying active, if you're staying engaged in things, if you're focusing on your physical health, you're not going to have the struggles with negative emotions that you're having now. It will improve and every single person can improve this. All right. So that's what I want to leave you with. If you'd love to give me your feedback on the podcast, if you got something that's on your mind and you'd love to share it with me, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash survey, fill out that survey and let us know. We're in the midst of improving the podcast and we want to hear from you. So if you got something to say, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash survey and let us know. And the next thing is let's continue the conversation on Twitter. I'm there a lot these days and I would love to hear from you. What did you learn from this today? What did you take action on? Or did you not take action? Share it with me, right? Share it with me. And the last thing I want to share with you is stay tuned for Monday when we go into the absolute best diet for weight loss with me. All right. So if you're looking for like, what is the best diet out there for weight loss? I will break it down to you in a way that nobody ever has before. That's coming out on Monday. Hope you enjoyed today. And remember, go out there, take action, depression, anxiety, negative emotions in general, hate a moving target. So take action, get moving. Love you. Hope you enjoy this and speak to you on Monday.